You're listening to Siren Radio with me, Andrew David. Just give you a time check. If you're listening to this at any other time, we are recording this at 24 minutes past three on Thursday, the 3rd of uh, March. The reason we tell you that is because some things we may be talking about over the next uh, couple of minutes may be time sensitive. Who knows? It's that moment of joy when I press buttons this end in the Armageddon headquarters of Siren Radios, uh, where we've been for the last two years, and see whether there's anybody in the man cave in Los Angeles. Is there a Bruce K. Rosenblum fit and bouncing in his chair? Are you there, Bruce? I am bouncing off the walls this morning, Andrew. I am here. And um, first of all, what I'd like to do, uh, we did not talk about this um, a few minutes ago when we were having uh, our, our yeah. brief, uh, but a... Oh. Hearty, heartfelt congratulations to Andrew David on becoming a 2022 Faculty and Student Festival of Media Arts winner for your documentary Lincolnshire Lives, Their Story. Oh, you, uh, you, you little tinker, you. Oh. Yeah, that is amazing. Oh, I, do you know, I, I did wonder whether... Um, Anything had got through because um, somebody else has been tweeting and Facebooking madly about this. Uh, and, and she started off by saying, you know, amidst all the other stuff that's going on, it's great to have some good news. It is sincerely wonderful. And thank you so much indeed for those those heartfelt greetings. Um, I feel very passionately about all the stuff that we've done at Siren and you and I have done some amazing stuff and you've helped Siren win a couple of really prestigious RTDNAs. That's the Radio and Television Digital News Association, Edward R. Murrows. This particular award um, is part of the other organisation which Heather and all the other people at the Broadcast Education Association have openly welcomed us into, us, us Brits, that's me and Debbie, um, and it's fantastic that they've recognised a piece of work which actually was done using the equipment I'm talking to you here in this, my, my little studio bedroom with um, soundproofing, using bedding and things like that, that, you know, those very rudimentary things have managed to impress people in your country and some very significant judges that they've been able to give us this uh, award for excellence. And I really feel that this is a terrific opportunity to say thank you to everybody who has changed the way they think and work, and especially <gasps> those who took part in this program, because they are people of our age, you know, 60s, 70s, 80-year-olds who'd never done radio, never done Zoom, they'd never written a book, they'd never written an article, they'd never written a poem, and yet inspired by a wonderful lady called Rose, Rosanna McGlone. They produced some stuff which eventually I was able to convert into a fantastic little radio program still available on the podcast. Go and have a look for it. Lincolnshire Lives, their story. And and this award is as much for them as it is for me or as it is for Siren. So thank you so much for giving me an opportunity to really big up some of the most significant major changes, uh, tectonic changes which have happened in our industry and in the radio business which now means that in this country and your country, radio is as powerful and is becoming even more powerful than it ever has been because it joins people together and gives people a, a sense of belonging in a way that um, I don't think any other medium does. So, Bruce, yeah. thank you for letting me um, do that. You're welcome. I mean, when it's done with quality and it's done with passion and it's done with um – you know, uh, very carefully and, and, and with a lot of thought, it, it's, it's beautiful stuff as opposed to 
some of the right wing conservative stuff we hear. This this is beautiful stuff. And let's just say the BEA. I mean, I've been involved with the BEA since 1985, way before um, wow. Heather was was involved. And um, always happy to give back to the Broadcast Education Association. Uh, I mean, they brought us together. That's how we they met. did. Yeah. Through a chance a chance uh, uh, management uh, board meeting, I guess. And um, and uh, we just we hit it off, and then you had that the idea at breakfast one morning at the at the convention about you know the i this corny idea about doing a transcontinental Skype cast that uh, we could just talk about what happens in each of our countries, calling it American cousins, because <clears throat> in a way we're we've got so many things in common, even though we're separated by six thousand miles of land and sea. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll tell you what, it was the best breakfast I've ever had, and um, I'm still enjoying that breakfast. I, I certainly am, and I can remember it, um, and I can hear the sound of the slot machines in the background. I was going to say, the slot machines in the background dinging. That, and That constant <laughs> noise. Anyway, we've got some great stuff. Um, we know, I think it's a given, <coughs> that we are still passionately standing alongside our friends and colleagues in the Ukraine and in that part of Europe. So we're not going to major on that because there are a couple of other things, very significant things. But just to say um, there's so much going on, it's almost impossible for us to grasp how we do engage with that. So I'm sure I'm speaking on all of our behalves when I say we are behind everybody who's um, who's suffering so egregiously in, in what's going on in the Ukraine. Am I right, Bruce? Yes, and uh, we're standing, making sure that uh, democracy uh, rules the day and, um, you know. And, and we'll and, triumph. And we'll triumph. And, and Jackie and I were talking the other night. And we, we were just so heartbroken with, you know, there's over a million people have fleed the Ukraine and, and mm-hmm. they're now refugees in Poland and Romania and other places. If, 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 if we, we would almost be very happy to take a Ukrainian family in um, if if they make their somehow make their way to the United States, I think that we would be two of the first people in line to to make sure that some of these people have a place that they can a safe place that they can go to. That's it's fantastic. Just, it's just you know it, it's funny in this in this day and age, Andrew. You would think with the kind of advances we made in technology and in medicine and in sciences and and all the work we have to do to make the the planet safer for people in terms of the air they breathe, the water they drink, the food they eat, that you have someone who has lost his mind and is is creating uh, destruction in, in a place that and it's just the, the images that we see every day are just so heartbreaking. I mean, now 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 civilians are becoming uh, targets of this of this this person and. Holocaust memorials and hospitals and schools and it's a tra- it's a travesty. It really is, and it needs to be stopped. And hopefully, it will it will end sooner than later, and um, and we can we can get this country back on its feet and get these people the help that they need. Absolutely, I'm sure that there will not be a dissenting voice. In fact, for much of what we're going to talk about today, uh, very few dissenting voices. Do you want to get the uh, Donald Trump, the other elephant in the room, out of the way? Um, he's uh, he's heading for disaster, isn't he? Or apparently, he could be. Well, he could be because now um, he and his lawyer, uh, a right wing lawyer by the name of David uh, John Eastman, excuse me, are part uh, are being considered part of a criminal conspiracy to overturn the 2020 presidential election. And um, the, the 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 January 6th committee now is um, 
most likely going to turn over their evidence and their recommendation to to go after him uh, with on criminal charges, uh, federal criminal charges uh, for 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 what he did. And on top of that, it's kind of concurrent with what's happening in Georgia, where he clearly meddled and interfered, and uh, they have him on tape doing so. And um, it could be a double whammy. I think he's in some, in some really serious trouble now. That 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 um, you know maybe this this may be what what finally you know you know Does gets him, him, brings yeah. him down, prevents him from running for office because he's still out there and he's still holding a grip over some of these you know conservative Republicans and. Um, you know, they, although I think that the, the Republican Party is really split between the Trumpers now and the and the anti-Trumpers, so it's um it's um it's pretty it's a pretty dicey situation, but um the it, it's you know but it remains to be seen with him because he just seems to find a way to get out of every every piece of trouble he he, he bounces himself into, but uh, the th- the things that are being spewed by the GOP um, and it, it, some of this stuff is just—it's just so harmful. Um, the the other night, Joe Biden, um, I think, gave his first uh, State of the Union address. Indeed, and in many senses, we saw it. It was so powerful when he was talking about what we've just been talking about the Ukraine. But you you were saying in our pre-chat that he's also had some bounce back from it. Yeah. So you know he's. But the part of the problem is well, there's twofold. But first of all, I was going to say some of the rhetoric we we're talking about. Lauren Boebert, this congresswoman from Colorado, interrupted his speech and started heckling him when he was talking about um, these burn pits in uh, in Afghanistan that that were creating all these different um, uh, issues for for veterans, and mm-hmm. and a lot of them were were coming down with um, with different kinds of cancers, and he's and he was going to talk about his son Bo, who was in in that part of the world near burn pits. And he was saying he didn't know he was he was kind of moving into trying to get into his whole we're going to try to cure cancer thing, which which is very near and dear to him. But he was trying to say that he didn't really know for sure, 100 percent, if that's what contributed to his son's death. And while he was talking about that, she starts to heckle him and boo him from the from the uh, from the peanut gallery. And it was just so disrespectful and so disgusting. And it just makes you wonder you know what's happening but that's all part of the it's all part of that trump base and and it's and it's 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 just why we can't allow this i mean people have to rise up and say enough is enough because biden's got some very low popularity rankings so he came into the state of the union with one of the lowest approval ratings of any president at this point in time now and when you stop to consider what he's done it's it's baffling as to why people feel People feel that way about him. I think he has like a 37 percent approval. But, you know, he's been in office for just a little more than one year. And he was he inherited a minefield of, you know, uh, cow dung uh, <laughs> to step through. And but he got he got 75 percent of the country vaccinated. He made vaccines available everywhere we could for free. Um, he got stimulus checks out. Um, to people who were hurting for, you know, to be able to put food on the table or, or pay their rent. Um, he, he made it easier for, for small businesses to get loans and, and continue to, 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 to stay in business during this pandemic. And he, he really managed this very well through the pandemic. And on top of that, 
you know, it was a number of other um, agenda items that that he promised he would deliver, and he did. And we don't need to, you know, go back and you know build a list of all the things he did. But he's done a lot of good stuff. And but you know, the the part of the problem is that he's had some glitches along the way. I mean, some people in his own party have kind of put roadblocks up to some of the things he wants to do, particularly where he wants to spend money for for infrastructure and for you know, for bridges and for roads and to get prescription drug prices down, whatever. And he's got like Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema, two two Democratic senators who've kind of been roadblocks to some of his agenda. But what the Republican strategy has become now is that they blame Biden for everything that that is happening that's bad in the country. And in one year, everything that's gone bad in this country, things just don't go bad overnight. It takes time. It's a process, especially things in Washington, D.C., because they move so slow. So he inherited a lot of the things that are rearing their ugly head right now. But because it's his watch, he's getting blamed. He's getting blamed for inflation. He's getting blamed for for how people have you know been mentally just exhausted and behaving badly. He's getting blamed for people not taking accountability or responsibility for their actions. He's being taken. He's being blamed for for the for the crime levels that are that are surfacing and high crime levels that are surfacing in, in, in various American cities. And it's, and it's not all him. It's not all him. It, these are, these are things that were rearing their ugly heads early on that the previous administration ignored because they just thought this thing was going to go away. And now we're seeing all the backlash from this. We're seeing the backlash with the um, distribution chain, supply chain being held up at the ports. Um, we're seeing, you know, products not being able to get delivered to your home because there was nobody there to, to make those products because they were all holed up in their homes. Um, we, we had a dishwasher issue here, and it took over two months to get the part to fix Good. our dishwasher. So, you know, and, and that was just, you know, again, that was just if you if you examine why we couldn't get the part, it all leads back to the fact that the, that the facilities and the manufacturing plants were closed because they had no employees there to, to make the parts or distribute the parts. And then once the parts got made and distributed, they were held up at the ports. But that's not Joe Biden's fault. It's not him. But but that's been the GOP um, strategy is to blame Biden and, and label him a failure after one year in office. He hasn't even had his full term yet to call him a failure. It's one year. And, and, he, and if you listen to the speech and I, you said you did, you know that um, that that you know he he's very optimistic. He feels good about the American people. He still thinks that we can that we can unify the country and, and move forward and, and and get past a lot of this this craziness. But um, it, it's just that there's certain there's a certain faction out there that's doing their best, their level-headed best to to just make that not happen. I mean, we'll, one of the groups and and, we'll, and, and and I like to, to say that I, you know, you and I do a lot of things on this on this podcast, or on this broadcast, but we are ahead of our time sometimes. You know, I talked we talked last week about these parents and these truckers who are protesting mask and vaccine mandates. Yep. And and even though we believe that you know it's just um, it's something they will pivot away from and just it's just an excuse to be able to protest. And that there's there's other they'll just turn from this issue to other issues, but but for right now what they're protesting is the fact that the government is taking our freedoms away one by one by making us wear masks or, or get a vaccine. Now, to me, wearing a mask or getting a vaccine during a pandemic doesn't seem like such a bad thing, especially if it's going to help save your life, your your family members' lives, or your friends' lives. You know, 
um, by just, you know, keeping, keeping this, this virus at a minimum, right? And so, you know, you want to really, you want to see how, you know, we want to see what it's like to have your freedoms really taken away. Um, all you need to do is turn to what's going on in Russia right now. You've had Russians and many Russians protesting this war in Ukraine. And while the um, reporters are, are talking about the protests and showing the protesters, you see the Russian police, you know, buses, busloads of people being just pulled off the protest lines, thrown yeah. in these buses and taken away. And in many cases, who knows if you'll ever hear or see them again. And if you do hear from them or see them again, they will have been branded as criminals and will wear that 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 criminal badge for the rest of their lives, making it very difficult for them to 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 navigate through through, through Russian life as they know it. So you I mean, and and if you were if you were Donald Trump and you were in, in the middle of a, a war and you're and you're and you're talking about how the the enemy's leader is smart and strategic and your own leaders are dumb. Where do you think you'd be in Russia if you came out and said that against Putin in the streets? Right. Mm. You, you'd, you'd be you'd never to be heard from again. You'd be you'd be in, locked away in jail or you'd be dead because you can't speak out against um, leaders in Russia because that's it's a crime. You can't you can't protest if you're a, because it's a crime. You know, we had a summer of, of Black Lives Matter protests. Hundreds of thousands of people marched peacefully to, to make a point about the way uh, unarmed black men were being treated by law enforcement. That you want your freedoms taken away, go to Russia and do that same protest and you'll never be seen or heard from again. And, and that's why this, this whole truck convoy fell apart and never really happened. Um, the one, the, the big group that, that from California that everybody was talking about in the media, mm-hmm. I mean, they, they just, they couldn't get anybody, they couldn't get anybody to, to do it and it, and it fell apart. And the big stage they had set up in Washington DC for the big rally had about three people there. Oh. It was an empty stage with nobody showed up. You know, because, it, you know, it, it's it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous to think, um, you know, it, it, it's, so it's just it's just people who are anti-government or or anti or, or just, um, you know, the very conservative right wing of, of the GOP that is out there just kind of just doing this for the sake of doing it. It's 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 part of that that group that 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 surged on the Capitol on January 6th because. You know, for whatever reason, for the reason that they actually believed in Trump or they were or they're just, you know, people that just have a, a dislike for our democracy and, and our government. And, and that's what, and that's and that's what Biden has found himself in the middle of. And so that it just, you know, unfortunately, that reflects, even though it's it's if you if you really take a close look at what he's done versus what the um, what the sound bites convey, it kind of explains why the the. The, the approval rating is so low, but that's that's where we are. And um, it does actually you know, say something, doesn't it, about the the life we're living now, as we're sort of emerging from uh, two years worth of COVID lockdown and things like that. There's a sort of release of sometimes very positive energy and sometimes very negative energy, um, and it it's it's a matter of trying just to step back a bit because the next thing we're going to talk about um, it, it's it's baseball. Um, uh, something very dear to your heart. I know how special it is to you. Um, and you have taken us to the Dodgers Stadium and we've seen Dodgers games and we've eaten Dodgers dogs and all sorts of things like that. But there's something happening there. And I think there's in some senses what you're about to talk about 
represents the dark, not the darker side, but the the less pleasant side of the life that we have. We have some good news right at the end of the program about your veins. And if you're squeamish and you're eating a meal at the moment, you may want to stop. But tell us about this baseball lockout, because there's 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 a sort of an extension of the uglier side of life going on there, isn't there? Yeah, and I think, you know, it all kind of started with um, with the Colin Kaepernick kneeling on the football field thing. Right. Um, you know, kind of protesting um, the treatment of people by law enforcement, the social injustice, which athletes have done for years. I mean, they did it at the, the Mexico um, Olympics in 1968. There were two black athletes that raised their fists in defiance of the, American, the national anthem. And, you know, the, the flag has always been the um, – you know, kind of the touch point for fueling um, controversy. And and these people know that, so that's why they do it, to get the attention to that they can draw to their cause. And Kaepernick did it by just taking a knee and during the national anthem saying, hey, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm on the field, I'm, I'm just going to take a knee and bow my head because I'm doing this in protest of the way, after all these years, people, you know, we haven't come that far as much as we think we have in terms of race relations and how people of color are treated in this country. And that drew a lot of backlash, and, and, it, and the narrative was changed to be disrespecting the flag and disrespecting our troops and yada, yada, yada. And so and so that be kind of came a, kind of a launching pad for not just for football players, but for all athletes to start to, to say, hey, you know, we're out there, we're seen by millions of people, we have a platform, we have a voice, we can do this too. And so it started that it, 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 so the athletes who are out there that generally play a game for, you know, because, you know, they, they play the sport for the, for the love of the game. And, but now the love of the game has changed and, and it's, it's, it's become part of the political fabric of our country. And it's permeated, uh, not only um, American football, but I think it's permeated some soccer teams from around the world. Um, it's, it's permeated to, to ice hockey, the National Hockey League, uh, the National Basketball Association. They all wear these different slogans on their, on their, on their jerseys and, and, uh, they've been, you know, some of the, some of the stars of the game have been very vocal about, about things. Uh, LeBron James, who's, who's one of the premier basketball players. In America has been very outspoken and has become a polarizing figure now in, in basketball and in, in just in the world in general. Um, and, and now it's, 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 it's baseball was seemed to be kind of the last to really become involved. Although they, you know, they, they, baseball players stood in unity with, with black players during, during that, those, that time period as well. But, but now baseball is going. Um, in a different direction now. And it's kind of the, you know, it's like, it's like these rich and powerful athletes now who are making lots of money and, and live the life of, of luxury want, want more. And so baseball has become like the poster child for greed in America. And the baseball's collective bargaining agreement was being, is being renegotiated and there's issues about free agency and, Issues about uh, minimum wage, and it's um, it's to the point where um, they they can't come to an agreement, and it's been going on for a while. <clears throat> and it's each side's blaming the other, but now it's it's become really 
all about money and all about greed. And neither side is willing to compromise. And, and it's kind of like what we're seeing in Washington, D.C. There's these two sides have dug in and there's no compromise. There's no bipartisanship. It's just, it's so we want our, each wants its own. And it will, it will end ugly and the, and who will pay for it is the fan. The fan will pay for it in terms of ticket prices, food prices, concession prices, merchandising prices, and, and parking prices. And it's, it, it will drive fans away. And Major League Baseball, is is now you know the, the greed is unbelievable, and it even it even trickles down to the autograph where these billionaire millionaire baseball players who make hundreds of millions of dollars want hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars just to sign their name on a on a baseball or a football. You're joking? It, it, no, it's and it's taken the fun out of it for the fans and the kids. <laughs> so everybody, you know, if you're an older person wanting an autograph, they look at you as like, oh, you only want the autograph so you can sell it on eBay. And so <laughs> they they send kids, they, they'll they'll sign for kids, but the kids are just out there getting their autographs for their parents, and it's it, it's great, it's kind of crazy. But so baseball is being looked at now is it it could kind of just be putting the nails in its own coffin in terms of its um. Um, it could be baseball could become irrelevant at some point. That's and, unbelievable. In, in America, knowing how how enshrined it is, almost in your your national psyche. Yeah, I mean it's it's unbelievable that the national pastime that associated with you know mom apple pie, you know hot dogs, a day at the ballpark, field um, of dreams. What will happen yeah, there? Yeah, I mean it is so expensive. It's almost cost prohibitive to go to a game. As, as you well know, mm-hmm. and um, and the way in the way they've changed the strategy of the game, it, they've taken the human. You know, sport was created. You know, it's it's based on the human element. Yeah. Back in the in the old Roman days, I mean, it was man against man. You know, you know, blood, sweat, and tears, and you and you did what you did for the love of the sport. You know, and when it was over, you shook hands, and you know, off the field, people were friends, but on the field, there were competitors. But you know, and it was something. You know. You know, and it was always, you know, you never argue with the umpire and all that because, yeah. again, what he was, the umpires are out there. They're only human, and they're making their calls based on on what they see, and they don't catch everything. And, you know, you accepted it. If it was a bad call, you accepted it, and you were a man about it or a woman about it, and you walked away. Yeah. But now it's, it's you know, they they use all this electronics to, to, to look at calls, and it, it interrupts the flow of the game and, and I, I think, you know, and, and one of the, the unwritten rules about baseball is that gambling is a, is like a no-no. You know, if you get caught gambling and you're associated with gamblers, you could lose your career. You'd be banned from baseball or like Pete Rose bet on baseball after he was a manager and he was banned from the sport. And he, 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 although, you know, and, and he'll never be in the Hall of Fame as a result of that. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, you know, and despite the statistics that he had as a player, he'll never get in because what he did was a manager. He gambled. But, you know, but now gambling is is like, you know, it's like interwoven through every sport. I mean, you can go on. There's online places you can bet on, on games. You can go to various casinos around the country and bet on football games and baseball games and hockey games and point spreads. And so, you know, I you know, and I in a lot of this electronic. Um, reviews of plays, I think, is all created for 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 the gamblers, so that the, they get the calls right, so that gamblers don't feel they got, 
you know, that they lost their, you know, gamblers don't like to lose a bet based on a bad call. So, and of course, the the the, the companies themselves, the betting companies, also want uh, it to be much more accurate so that they can predict um, how much they're going to make. Because ultimately, gambling companies are there to make money and do make it hand over fist. Yeah. So, but anyway, to get back to the baseball question, what's happening now is there's, this lockout is continuing. The two sides can't seem to get together on any issue. They keep rejecting each other's. <clears throat> counter offers and to the point now where spring training which is usually you know we go to arizona in march yep. to watch the spring training games and get autographs that's all been pretty much canceled it's now to the point where the first seven or eight games of the regular season have been canceled the dodgers are supposed to host the all-star game which they were supposed to host it during the pandemic but that got canceled cost of the pandemic it was rescheduled for this year but it looks like there may not even be a season there might not even be an all-star game this year so they're going to lose that. We're going to lose out on that. And and again, at the end of the day, you know, there's just, you know, somebody's going to have to pay for all these financial concessions that will be made to the players or to the, or to the owners. And if the owners give, they'll just recoup their money by charging higher ticket prices, which they do every year. They'll charge more for parking, which they do. The price of a hot dog from just a couple of years ago when it was like four dollars a hot dog is now about eight. It's double the price, eight dollars. <laughs> For a ridiculous hot dog, it's like sixteen dollars for a beer. It, 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 in you know, to buy a, a baseball cap used to be you know fifteen dollars or twelve dollars. Those are now forty-two dollars a hat. You know, shirts are forty, fifty dollars. Everything's forty, fifty dollars. You can't get out of the uh, concession store without spending hundreds of dollars. And it's just getting it's getting cost. It's almost getting cost prohibitive. You, you, the ballpark to go to a game, take a family to a game on a Saturday used to be relatively inexpensive and it was a great afternoon out yeah now now it's 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 a it's a big deal and it's very expensive and rather than doing it you know five or six times a season maybe you do it once or twice <laughs> but the, the fan base is changing the young people are no longer interested in in baseball because they say the game moves too slow so they they want more instant gratification their younger people are into these extreme sports and in sports where there's, you know, instant gratification, um, video games and stuff has changed the, the relaxing day at the ballpark. So baseball is trying to figure out how they can speed up the game. <clears throat> so, you know, a, a typical game, let's say, goes three hours or, or, or two hours and 50 minutes. Now, how do you speed up the game? I mean, you can only play the game as you play the game. But in between innings, they want to put a two-minute um, timetable on how much time it takes from one team coming in to go to bat to the other team getting out in the field or how many you know, they give each pitcher 30 seconds to warm up. But even at the, at the end of it, at the end of the day, that maybe saves two minutes or three minutes off of the game. It's, it's not going to speed the game up by a half an hour to make a three hour game, a two hour game. That's just never going to happen. Yeah. And on television, what are you going to do? You're going to cut out all the advertising. I mean, that's where they make their money on ads. So, you know, they, they run a lot of ads, and that stretches the game out also. So it's, um, you know, baseball's, it's, got, it's, baseball's got, it's got a world of problems they got to deal with because okay. they, could, they could lose it, and they well, are. Keep our fingers crossed that, you know, you get a decent season in, but it does sound like it's going to start on the wrong foot, so to speak. And foot leads me to leg, lousy <laughs> things there, which, and you have had a procedure <laughs> this week 
which I'm going to go, ooh, but you, you've assured me there is no blood involved, even though they were dealing with your veins. So tell yeah. us the good news. How are you with the leg thing? Well, you know, the whole, the whole, um, heart thing, the whole, um, cardiovascular issues that started about, uh, I guess about almost two months ago now. Yeah. Um, I'm still on the, I'm still sticking to my, to my diet. I'm down yeah. 10 pounds now. Brilliant. Blood pressure, blood pressure this morning was, was pretty good. Um, can't complain about that. He, it was in the range that he was happy with when, when I showed him my trend. Um, I'm walking about five to six miles a day, including my work on the elliptical, which I do every morning for a half an hour. So I'm getting about 15,000 steps in per day. Um, which is, which has been really good. Jackie's been a beneficiary of this because she's eating the healthy food and doing the walks. <laughs> so I, you know, we can't, she can't complain. We're, we're both, we're both, we're, we're enjoying the heck out of cooking. We've cooked fish more times in this last week than we probably did in 43 years of marriage. Oh, fantastic. There's and nothing wrong with that. Uh, salmon, tilapia, trout. I mean, it's just wonderful. The things that I didn't know I could do in the kitchen. <laughs> so, but um, one of the things that, that they found, interestingly enough, in, in doing the ultrasounds on my heart was they, they looked at all the arteries. So they not only looked at my, my carotid artery and, and, um, and, um, the, uh, and, and, and my heart, the arteries in my heart, but they looked at the arteries in my legs and the veins in my legs because they noticed that there was swelling around my ankles and around my calves. Right. And they, 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 the doctor said to me, do you have, do your legs hurt do your, when you exercise or walk? And I said, well, not really. He says, well, he says, your calves and your ankles are very swollen. And, and what they found in the, um, in the art, the ultrasound on the arteries in my legs and the, my arteries were clear of plaque. Right. And the arteries yeah. are working fine. But my veins, there were vein, there's veins in my left leg and veins in my right leg, and it could be genetics or it could be just from years of, of working out or whatever. But your veins in your legs um, have pumps, and 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 the vein and these veins serve to to pump the blood that flows down to your legs, and they and it serves to pump the blood back up to your heart. Yes, indeed. And, and the problem and the problem is that when these veins get stretched, and it happens to a lot of people, the, the pump can't work properly. If, if so he said, look at it like the sleeve on your shirt. When, okay. the, when your shirt, when you have a t-shirt that's new, the sleeve kind of grips your bicep and it makes you look like you've got big biceps. Yeah. But over time, after you wash the shirt and the sleeve stretches out, it just kind of, you know, you really can't tell if you have a, 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 a big bicep or not because the, the sleeve stretches out. So look at the vein is that shirt sleeve that's stretched out. So the blood flows through. But the pump can't, because it's so stretched out, the pump can't pump the blood back up through you to your heart. And what happens is it kind of, it kind of settles down into your, into your legs and into your ankles and it causes that swelling. And he said, so they have a procedure called a vein ablation. And what it is, and it's, they take, um, they inject basically a glue into your veins, the superficial veins, not the, the, the veins not deep the deep veins. Yep. And, and what it does is they, 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 they go in, uh, first of all, they, they put a little numbing agent, like a, they sprayed cold on my leg. And then they, then she gave me a little, um, like a little, uh, shot of Novocaine, 
which yep. which didn't hurt at all. And and because my leg was so cold from the from the cold, I didn't feel it. But it numbed my leg up. And they put a catheter in. They put a small catheter in, and then a wire. It's almost like a, an angioplasty, I guess, or an angiogram when they go up and they they look. And they put this they put this wire in, and they run it from kind of like just below the calf, all the way up to almost your groin. And and they in, and they inject a um, a little vial of what they call glue. And they inject this glue into the vein, and what happens? And they put some pressure on the vein after they inject it, and it collapses. They collapse the vein, and it kind of glues the vein shut, so that the blood will not flow through that bad vein anymore, and it forces the blood to find other healthier veins to flow through, and and that's what they did basically, and and the result of that will be less cramping in my calves, which I get. And and it should take away the swelling in my ankles because now the veins with the good pumps will be doing what they're supposed to do. So rather than the, the blood flow settling in my ankle, it'll it'll be it'll be um, you know re, you know repumping that blood back up the way it's supposed to. Brilliant. And I watched the whole process as she was the woman that was um, doing this on the, on the uh, she they do it they do an ultrasound at the same time they're they're putting the wire up. So she can, so she showed me the vein and she says, you see how, how, how wide it is and you see the blood flowing through and you see it pumping, but it's so, but the vein is so stretched that the pump's not working. Right. And then she showed me one that, you know, and then she showed me an ultrasound of one that was working and it's like, wow. And you can actually see this. And, and then she says, here's now, now I'm in, now I'm, um, putting the glue in and you can see the, the glue come from the wire. And as she's, Putting the glue in and pulling the wire back, she's you know, now putting the pressure on my leg, and you can see the vein collapse and, and glue. And it takes about two minutes for that process to, to work. And um, and then they they take the wire out and then they take the catheter out and they put a little bandaid on you <clears throat> and they send you home. <laughs> it was and there was no pain. I had I, I walked fine. I didn't feel anything. I, I brilliant. Last night, I woke up this morning. Everything feels great. My ankle's not swollen this morning. Oh, it's fantastic. Although she said it would, although she said it would take a couple of days before I see the results. But um, and she, but she said everything went went great. And you know, hopefully that you know the the blood's being redistributed to the to the good veins in my leg. And she, they said you'll feel better. You will feel better, and you'll notice improvement, and you won't have the cramping. And, I, and they said I could go on my elliptical, and, and they want me to walk continue to do walk as much as possible, just not lift heavy weights um, for the, for the next couple of days, which I won't. And um, next week I go in for the left. I went the right leg yesterday, do the left leg next week. And man, I'll tell you what, um, I'm in a way better place today than I was two months ago when I heard all of this craziness about. Uh, uh, this, this has been a <laughs> tremendous um, traveling with you. Um, I, I'm not going to say it's a journey. I'm not because because journey sounds like it's kind of come to an end, and it's not. This is part of the new bit of your life, and this is absolutely fantastic. Looking at the time, we're um, we're pushing the envelope on our little Wi-Fi broadband system at the moment, but it's been so good to catch up with you, particularly with the the good news about the vein stuff at the end. You're having the next one done, so by t- this time next week, you will be um, bionic five million dollar man. Yep. 
Yeah, well, I can't imagine, you know, without Medicare, what the cost of this would all be. No, no, we're not going to go there. I can't even get, I'm not going to go into that, but boy, I'll tell you what. It's, um, you know, lucky to have good doctors and lucky to have, um, good insurance. Medicare. <laughs> can't, can't complain about that. But uh, as we end the show today, Andrew, I'd just like to again give another shout out to the people of Ukraine that, you know, Absolutely. our hearts go out to you. We're, we're, we're standing with you. Democracy will triumph over this, this, this ridiculous, um, uh, madman within his autocracy and, um, you know, hopefully, you know, we'll get the world back. Uh, hopefully once this is over, the world will come together to help them rebuild and, and, uh, you know, and, and we'll, hopefully we'll move on and, and make the world a better place at that point. Bruce, thank you so much indeed for spending time with us. American Cousins here on Siren Radio. Thank you, Andrew.